This podcast contains coarse language, adult themes, and spoilers. My name's Peach, and for the past couple of years, I've been helping my friend Shag overcome his childhood aversions to everyday foods in the podcast Fussy Eater. Now it's his turn to help me conquer my phobia of scary movies over one spooky night in the FBI studios, one Wikipedia synopsis at a time. This is Spooko. Welcome back to The Nightmare Method. It is the show where Shag and I just have a think about some Gordon Ramsay uh, episodes. And what I've done here is to grab some quotes from, you, you know, some of the Gordon Ramsay highlights. He's sort of known as a bit of a quotable guy. He's a cooking expert, but he also is sort of trotted out, wheeled out these days by American broadcasters to sort of say he says some crazy stuff. So, Shag, I'm going to crack a non-alcoholic park lager right here. And we are going to get into some Gordon Ramsay highlights. And I think one of the interesting elements is to think about whether someone wrote this for him beforehand to try to play up to his character or whether he made them up on the spot. I'm just going to hit you with five, right? And you have to decide whether it's Gordon's or whether someone wrote it for him. Quote one, my grand could do better and she's dead. <laughs> no, he definitely <laughs> said that. Because he said that a okay. few times. That's one of his go-tos. He has. But, but is it his idea that someone write it for him? I think oh, it's interesting. I, I think no. I think he definitely said that. Unless, yep. unless his grant isn't dead, which is probably worth looking into. But generally at his age, I would guess she is and has been for a while to the point where it doesn't sting where he says that. Yep. You're getting your knickers in a twist. Calm down. I mean... That's his third most amazing quote, apparently, according to this list, which is wow, a super boring one. This list sucks so much. But okay. also, maybe that was written for him because it's like, mm. you know, if I was like, or if you said to me, put on a British accent, immediately I'd be like, oh, shine your shoes. Don't get your knickers <laughs> in a twist, governor. It sounds like maybe on one of his shows where he's in another country or he's in yeah, LA or whatever, and he's got writers who are trying to write in an English tone of voice. Yep. So they're like, wait a minute. English people don't call them undies. They call them knickers. Knickers. <laughs> this lamp is so undercooked, it's following Mary to school. He wrote that because it's really laboured and that's been in his mind for a while. Like, you know, Gordon yeah. is an improviser, but as all, you know, you are a battle rapper and you know that you have rhymes and words mm -hmm. that go together and you have like little couplets in your head all the time that you can call on when you just need something to bridge you to the next idea and here's the same just two more to go okay these are these actually the best because it's like we sold him as the greatest tv show maker of all time yeah and these out of context aren't doing us any favors there are there a couple of good ones you put so much ginger in this it's a weasley <laughs> <laughs> That was written for him. Surely. As if, as if he is at all he you know, know connected with pop Harry culture. Potter. He's never read a Harry Potter book. Um, this is a really tough decision because you're both crap. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's him. That's definitely that's him. him. That's him. All right. That's the, 
that's the last oh, okay. one. No, 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 Peach, Peach. I'm glad. I'm glad we went back to yeah. Gordon Ramsay because we talked about this last week. How mm. there's a difference between important and great. And when people talk about, you know, the most important TV shows of all time, yeah, totally. They talk yep. about The Sopranos or Breaking Bad or whatever. But when you actually think what's the greatest TV show of all time, of course it's Gordon Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares, the yes. British version. Mm. Because that... Is it someone saying Twin Peaks? Oh, fucking Twin Peaks. As if it's Twin Peaks. Yeah, like, you know, it, of course it's important. But mm. in terms of what makes an incredible experience, because the experience is the biggest part about art yep. and what makes the best experience. And there are all these factors that are ineffable that you can't put to a five-star rating system, which generally is the way of how we judge important things. In the same way today, Peach, when we go back into the history of horror, when we go back into the history of horror, there are lots of important films that are almost impossible to watch. In fact, today's film might be one of the hardest films I've ever had to watch, not because it's like, I mean, it is gory, but not because of that, because it's... the arguably the worst film i've ever seen in my life like (laughs) potentially is i'm including every single tiktok every single instagram story i've seen including into that of all the moving footage i've seen this might be one of the worst things i've ever seen in my life and weirdly it shouldn't be because it's a horror film it was the beginning of the splatter genre which is uh it was essentially the beginning of gore in horror right like this is a monumental film that changed film history it was written, directed, like scripted, edited, even scored by this guy called Herschel Gordon Lewis, who kind of similar to me, started out in advertising, taught advertising, wrote all these things in the 50s before pivoting in his 40s to become a filmmaker and just off the top of the dome, completely started a new genre of filmmaking. So this film is incredibly important. Herschel Gordon Lewis, RIP, died in 2016. Such an important part of filmmaking. And yet... This film is so unbelievably bad. Today, we're doing a 67-minute... <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That is good. Splatter film from 1963 called Blood Feast. Ladies and gentlemen, you're about to witness some scenes from the next attraction to play this theatre. This picture, truly one of the most unusual ever filmed, contains scenes which under no circumstances should be viewed by anyone with a heart condition or anyone who is easily upset. We urgently recommend that if you are such a person or the parent of a young or impressionable child now in attendance, that you and the child leave the auditorium for the next 90 seconds. also disgusting like I, I must say blood like it doesn't look like blood but it still grosses me out it's like how it's like bright there's like high vis red paint the, the, oh, yeah. shake, that was upsetting though I didn't have fun there I, I also feel bad asking you to watch a two to three minute 
trailer for a 67 minute film. There's this rapper at the moment, the Korean town oddity, who had this track recently that really burned in my brain where he's just paying out people for making bad art. And he's like, I get why bad movies are made. You know, like I saw your film, I saw the list of credits and, you know, it probably cost five million to make. And I get that everybody got to be paid after that. So that's fine. But why would you take 90 minutes from people's lives for failed art rather than push the art firm forward, which I think is is such a Ugh. such a powerful statement. And so yeah, it's such like a criticism that's impossible to get around as well. <laughs> like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, just like, how do you even respond to that? You're like, oh, you're right. <laughs> so yeah, so Peach, I am sorry for making you watch that trailer. What I what I will say though, the two things I love about this film. Number one, the score. I told you before. The score was shit in the uh, trailer though. There was like the boom, boom. But didn't you find that like a little bit tense? Yeah. Like a little bit? It just sounds like the music a three-year-old makes. Okay. So, yes, it was. So, But anyway, so Herschel created that music. And I think in a quote afterwards, he said it took 12 times as long to score the, the film than it did to direct it. So he he really spent no time on the film. The other thing, what you've got to understand 12, while I read yeah, this. Anyway, song, like, I don't like, like I'm, I'm on alert of like my sort of dickhead senses are hugely up on this guy. But, yeah, sorry, continue. So because he started the splatter genre, there were no special effects teams that could create realistic looking gore. So everything's red paint and paper mache. And there's something to your point, you know, it's not real, but there's something really gross about it because he just goes over the top. There's so much red paint. There's so much paper mache. So every moment of gore in this film is both uncanny valley and also highly disturbing. There's something about knowing you, you know, when you see behind the curtain, you're like, yeah, it's red paint and paper mache. There's that element of like, oh, but you want it, like you want to conjure up this idea. Like, it's almost more powerful than mm. than than sort of seeing it. It's like, oh, there's someone here who's trying to make me feel like this. This is really ick. Right, right. Ugh. And so, so there's that. But then everything else about this film is terrible. So <laughs> I was trying to work out a way to describe how this film looks. So have you ever seen... Somebody showing you footage of their child's or their family's amateur play production and it's just a static shot of an entire stage and you're trying to watch it, but it's it nothing could be more boring. Yeah, yeah, right? So every single shot in this film is basically like a static shot of a stage. It's it's staged like a play of no, just people could... coming in and out and being like, Oh, you heard about this murder, see? Oh, what's this mur- what's this goblin? <laughs> see? Like it's oh anyway. All right. Then that also, screaming because... at that level, like that upsetting screaming level mm. that really Yeah, there's just something about that tone that really gets you. Ugh. Also, because it's the sixties, the sexual dynamics are so troubling. And we will get there in a second. But just the idea that women were there for basically, like, if, if you're a young, attractive woman, well, every man in the world should be able to just come up and hit oh, on you God. and essentially victimize you because, <sighs> you know, that's, that's your worth. So, so look, there's, 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 there's lots wrong with this film, but it's an important part of the genre. So because I had to watch it now, Peach, you need to know <laughs> What speed did you watch it? I watched it at one and a half speed. And also... What's funny about it, where I saw this was on one of those premium streaming services where 
the whole value of this service is they only show you important films. Kind of like everything's like Criterion or Foreign or was premiered at Sundance. So I, I saw this on this you know platform thinking, yeah. okay, well, there's got to be something to it. But I guess the point of it is it's an important film in the history of cinema. Anyway, okay. Also, this is maybe the longest Wikipedia synopsis I've ever seen. Like Whoa. I'm going to try and be quick, but fucking hell, this is long. They really care about this film. And when, when you look... People love this film and know it's shit. Like the creator, Herschel, said about it, he said, I often think about it like it's a Walt Whitman poem. It's no good, but it was the first of its kind. I don't know Walt Whitman or poetry, so I don't know if that's a good call, but that's what he said. Yeah, like I do feel like comparing yourself to more celebrated artists is always an awkward thing. <laughs> of like We're like the John Lennon of podcasting. It's like, yeah, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe we are. <laughs> All right, so a young woman comes home to her Miami Beach apartment and hears of a recent murder in Rogers Park. Now she hears about it on the radio because she's about to have a bath, but the radio is like, this just in, there's been a murder in Rogers Park. Blah, 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 blah. You're in the 60s. <laughs> right? I so love, she t- I love that they're grounding it in the 60s, even though it's made because every time, <laughs> like, that's just it. That's 1963. so she takes a bath and i guess because it's this oh actually no there is a little bit of nudity in it but she takes a bath but luckily all the bubbles are covering her boobies but meanwhile while she's in the bath she's brutally murdered by a gray-haired wild-eyed man afterwards he hacks her leg off above the knee with a machete and bags the leg before he leaves a copy of a book titled Ancient Weird Religious Rites. Ancient Weird Religious Rites. Yep, 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 yep. No, yep, that's the name of the book. Yep. Is, is seen near the body. Um, hugely culturally inappropriate as well. But again, that's the 60s, right? Mm-hmm. Um, also, the, not just the beginning of splatter, but the beginning of tying you know, nude or sexualized women with gore. Is this, sorry, is this literally, oh, I guess if it's the first gore Do you know what I, I mean? So, it's yeah. like this is where these things start to be intertwined. <laughs> At the police station the next morning, Detective Peter Thornton consults with the chief of the Homicide Bureau about the killings. The chief says that the killer follows a pattern of mutilating the bodies by removing limbs and organs and leaving but otherwise leaves no clues. Mm. Well, no, no, he noticed that book. So he didn't leave that book. The the implication is she was reading that book. Oh, sorry. Okay. Also, because it's the 60s, they're just sitting around smoking pipes, talking about it. No one's worried. Like, hmm, this is a bit of a... This is a weird killer. (laughs) (laughs) Like Don Draper walks in, yeah. (laughs) Elsewhere in town, wealthy socialite Dorothy Fremont hires an exotic caterer named Fwad Ramses. This is important. Fwad Ramses to arrange a dinner party for her daughter, Suzette. Ramses, revealed to the viewer as being the killer from the opening scene, agrees to cater the affair and tells Miss Fremont that he will prepare an ancient Egyptian feast, the likes of which have not been served for 5,000 years. Mrs. Fremont is delighted by this, as Suzette has a keen interest in Egyptology. She orders the catering to be done in two weeks before leaving. Also, the other thing that I thought was crazy about this, like in the 60s, like everything now is tracked and online and you book in things and systems. She literally walks into a store. She's like, Hey, I'd love you to cater my daughter's birthday. The guy's like, yep. Egyptian feast. <laughs> she's like, sounds good. It's in two weeks. And then she's like, it's at 6 p.m. sharp in two weeks. See you then. And that's it. That's, that's they how business have access, works. That's not the price of accessing. <laughs> no, there was no, nobody had a phone number. It was just like, 
as well, if a, if a meal has not been cooked in 5,000 years, it's going to be difficult to get your hands on, like, the recipe. You want to know how it's been to be done. Also, maybe it's not good. I love the fact <laughs> that it's like this. <laughs> well, the, like, without wanting to get 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 too distracted, like, like if you look as deeply into food history as um, your your boy has, um, the, the, the problem with ancient um, recipes, um, especially um, Greek and Roman, is that we don't have proportions. So they're like, get ready to make this delicious stew. There's here's a list of shit that's in it. <laughs> Off you go. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> okay, so all right. So after Mrs. Fremont leaves Ramsey's store. Now remember, his name's Ramsey's. He loves Egypt. You're really lingering he on got- the Ramsey's, but but yeah, okay. I'm- is this because it's Gordon Ramsay from? <laughs> Actually, that's a really good point. I didn't even think about that. Oh, okay, so it's not okay. No, because it's Ramsay. Oh, Ramesses, like, right. the Ramesses, like the, yeah. Okay, the fucking Egyptian name. god or whatever. Yeah, okay. Anyway, he goes to the back room where he has enshrined a large golden statue of the Mesopotamian goddess Ishtar. Ramses, it's revealed, is preparing a blood feast. A stew made from his victim's blood and body parts intended for Ishtar's reincarnation. Later that day, Thornton again meets with the homicide bureau chief. So Thornton's the detective after the newspaper sensationalized the death of the latest victim. Exasperated, the chief asks Thornton if he was able to turn up any clues this time. <laughs> the press are really on this, but have you found any clues or anything? Have we got, a, got any updates? Thornton says he <laughs> exasperated <laughs> as well. <laughs> oh, shit. I'm really flustered. <laughs> He's like fanning himself. This pipe is in there. This pipe is really exasperated. Now, Thornton says he interviewed the victim's acquaintances, but the only important clue he could get was that she was a book club member, which is a real, like, in the in the grand scheme of things, is probably not even a clue yet. I don't think you can judge, yeah, clues on their importance or not, you know, at that stage. You're like, oh, there's all this shit, but the important, the only important <laughs> So that evening... Two teenagers named Tony and Marcy make out on a nearby beach. Mm. And it is actually that scene where Marcy's like, I've got to get home. And Tony's like, come on, babe, don't you love me? And it's just like, (laughs) it's so like, number one, this film doesn't pass the Bechdel test. But number two, it's like women do not have their own agency in this film. Anyway, Ramses interrupts the couple. He knocks Tony unconscious, hacks off the top of Marcy's skull and removes her brain. Thornton arrives on the scene shortly thereafter with the chief. And he arrives at the scene like, hmm, like basically smoking a pipe <laughs> so, again. Fucking uh, love one of these things. Eh? <laughs> What's going on? I wonder if I find any good clues this time. <laughs> I wonder if she was in a book club. And they're unable to get any useful information from Tony, who by this time is in hysterics. Keep in mind, they're basically like, come on, Tony, tell us who did it. Like, they're basically like, come on, Tony, just tell well, us he's who like, did it. he's like, I'm just hysterical to tell you. <laughs> yeah. Now, Thornton and the chief question Marcy's mother, who tells them that Marcy also belonged to a book club. You see, now it's a clue. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, it's like, ah, oh, that links up with the clue that I previously found. <laughs> So sometime later, Ramses stakes out a local motel and sees a drunken man drop a woman off at her room. Ramses knocks on the woman's door and attacks her when she answers, ripping her tongue out of her mouth and leaving her to bleed to death. This is a film from 1964. Oh, God, this is so upsetting. 
I thought there was like a Hayes code. Isn't there a code of like no, morality no and stuff you show in the six? Like I no. thought that was right. Have I made that up? No, I don't think so. I think you're talking about like the doctor's code that they have to treat everybody. I'm Googling this now. <laughs> I think it exists. Hayes, I think it's got a Hayes code and it stops you showing stuff. Media, Hayes code, media. Hayes code. Do I mean Hayes code? Fucking, I hate this. It's like, oh, did you mean Hayes code, Peach? Did you mean to type it properly? But but also keep in mind, this is the 60s. So the shot will begin with Ramsey's moving towards the woman. And then there's a jump cut to the woman being replaced by like a mannequin. And then he pulls a bloodied paper mache tongue out of her mouth. Um, like, like, I'm sorry to be hung up on whether I'm wrong about this. It was a set of guidelines. It went so for self-censorship of content. That applied to most motion pictures released by major studios, major studios perhaps, from 1934 to 1968. Um, what did it generally do? There were do's and don'ts. Keep in mind, you're right. This wasn't a major studio. Herschel yeah, okay. basically created a film company so he could do this himself. And he did everything himself on this film. And even he, before he died, was basically like, it wasn't good, but at least I started something. <laughs> Which is, I don't know how you'd feel about that. Would you feel good? I probably wouldn't feel great. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay. So meanwhile at the Fremont house. Although it is weird the amount of lawyers that do video content now and I'm, like, I'm a bit sorry, I'm <laughs> a bit sorry about this. <laughs> I feel partially responsible for this. <laughs> so meanwhile at the Fremont house, Suzette tells her mother how distraught she is by the reports of the killings. Mrs. Fremont tries to cheer her up by reminding her of her upcoming dinner party. Later, Suzette attends her weekly Egyptian studies lectures. This is where <clears> things get fucked. Oh. She attends it with her boyfriend, who happens to be Detective Thornton. Now, Detective Thornton's about 45 oh, wearing a dating suit. dating a college student. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Like, she's basically a teenager. The whole time I was like, this is not cool. But you're supposed to find their relationship really flirty. There's one point, I don't know, it's probably going to be in this Wikipedia synopsis because it's so in-depth, where they go to, like, a sort of you know, like a lookout point to make out. And like the detective's like, oh, I'm not going to protect you from the killer now. We're going to have to get someone to protect you from me. Ha ha. As he uh, like moves towards her. I was like, it was the most chilling part of this film by far. But like that age gap is insane, especially if you, so when you started going to university, you were 19. Like my parents were in their mid to late forties. Imagine if your mom was like, shag, I'm coming along <laughs> to your lectures with you. <laughs> No, thanks, Bob. (laughs) All right, so they're at this lecture theatre where the lecturer, Dr. Flanders, tells them about the pharaohs Ramses I and Ramses II and the cult of Ishtar that thrived during their rule 5,000 years ago. Dr. Flanders goes on to describe the blood festival of Ishtar in which virgin women were sacrificed to the goddess on an altar. Their remains prepared as dishes to be served in the feast, and Ishtar was said to be reborn at the climax of the festival. A flashback to ancient Egypt is shown at this point in the film, depicting a young woman on a stone altar being stabbed in the chest by oh, a high priest and having her heart removed from her body. After Okay, so here it is. After the lecture, Thornton takes Suzette out for an evening drive and Suzette tells him that she's worried about the recent murders when he suggests they park for a while. Oh, my. <laughs> like, it's awful. God. Their date is cut short when a radio news bulletin announces that an as-yet unidentified victim has been found near death and taken to a nearby hospital. And Thornton's basically like, I'm going to, you know, statutorily rape you next time because we've got to go to that hospital. Oh, God. So... 
He drives to that home and hurries to the police station where the chief informs him that his victim was found on the outskirts of town with the side of her face hacked off. They rush to the hospital and question the woman who identifies herself as Janet Blake. Oh God, this is the worst. So she tells them that the man who attacked her was old, had wild eyes, and that he said it was for ETAR as she collapses and dies. The detectives ponder the significance of ETAR and Thornton cannot shake the feeling that the word sounds familiar. Oh, he's at the lecture. On the, but it was, no, he is a great detective. Yeah, okay. On the day before the dinner party, Ramses receives a letter from a young woman named it's Trudy Sanders requesting a, copy, <laughs> requesting a copy of ancient weird religious rites that he had advertised in the newspaper. Ramses looks up Trudy's phone number in the white pages, calls her house, and finds out that she's visiting Suzette Fremont. At the Fremont residence, Suzette is having a pool party with some friends where she tells Trudy that she thinks her mother is planning an Egyptian feast for her party. Unbeknownst to Suzette and the others, Ramses goes to the Fremonts, waits outside, and kidnaps Trudy as she leaves that evening. The next day, Thornton and the chief investigate Trudy's disappearance. Thornton phones Suzette to tell her that he will be late for the party as the police still have no word on Trudy's whereabouts, which is like, again... If you're a detective, you're not just like, hey, Peach, now I know we've got the pot on this week, but I'm investigating a triple homicide and we don't have any leads on where the killer might be killing next. So if I get some leads, let's do the recording. But otherwise, should we just do like a phone thing? (laughs) Okay. Suzette tells Thornton she learned from her mother that a Fwad Ramses will be catering the party and serving an authentic Egyptian feast in honor of Ishtar. Thornton quips that he hopes this feast won't be exactly like the one described by Dr. Flanders in the lecture. <laughs> Meanwhile, this is like incomprehensibly bad. Right, so right. right. And it's still going. Meanwhile, in Ramsey's storage room, Trudy wakes up to find herself chained to the wall next to the Ishtar shrine. Ramsey pauses from his cooking for a moment and takes a leather scourge from the wall. Demanding that she give herself up to the goddess, he lashes her to death collecting her blood in a silver chalice. Oh, God. After hanging up with Suzette, Thornton mulls over the name Ishtar and its similarity to the word Etar that Janet Blake said in the hospital and also recalls the recent lecture on the Ramsey's pharaohs. Thornton calls Dr. Flanders, gets more information on the blood feast of Ishtar and learns that Fwad Ramses is the author of ancient weird religious rites. Finally piecing it all together, Thornton calls the Piecing chief. it all together. So sorry. So, <laughs> so, so precisely. <laughs> yeah. Thornton calls the chief and tells him to meet at Ramsey's exotic catering. Back at the Ramsey's storage room, Ramsey's cooks one more ingredient for his feast, the leg of the first victim seen in the film, which he chars in a pizza oven, which I, like, I don't know what he was... Number one, did the ancient Egyptians have pizza ovens? Yes, agreed. <laughs> number two, where did he store the leg? <laughs> he, you know, he killed her four or five or six days ago and surely he sort of hung that in a cold space, which I'm not certain he did. Oh, then maybe he's got access to that. He runs a catering He does company. run a catering yeah. company, but yeah. still, charcuterie rules, like, is it true to meat preparation? If it is, cool. If it's not, then you're fucked would, up. Would it be delicious? Would it be delicious? You're fucking fucked up here, Billy Bloodfeast. Okay, the police race to Ramsey's store and find Ramsey's gone, but discover the shrine of Ishtar and Trudy's body on a table in the back room, with various other human remains strewn about. 
The chief orders a squad car to the Fremont house to arrest Framses and stop the guests from partaking in his grisly meal. However, they are unable to call the Fremonts and warn them as their phone line is down. Ugh, so easy to cut a phone line. Yep. Ramses arrives at the dinner party and asks Suzette to come into the kitchen and help him commence the feast by blessing it to make the experience more authentic. He has Suzette lie on a counter as a makeshift altar. Again, if you're a woman in the 60s, you're like, this is my life. Just I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna I guess I'm going to fucking thing. do this. Oh, then God. tells her to close her eyes and offer a prayer to Ishtar. As he raises his machete to decapitate her as a final offering to his goddess, Mrs. Fremont suddenly enters the kitchen and causes him to flee. The police arrive and Thornton tells Suzette that Ramses was the serial killer they'd been looking for and that Trudy was his latest victim. I'm sure you can't just tell your girlfriend like yeah, all I guess the different. <laughs> <laughs> like I actually act for like friends and people Al knows and she's like, hey, can you tell me this? I'm like, no. Nah. <laughs> like and I feel like my stuff is just basic like money stuff and business stuff. Like surely <laughs> cops come be like, hey, you will never guess what happened in my case today. <laughs> Strap yourself in. All right. Thornton joins the chief and the other officers as they chase Ramses through a nearby dump where he attempts to escape by climbing, get this, he attempts to escape by climbing into the back of a garbage truck. Okay, into the, okay yes. Unaware the, of this, the truck driver turns on the trash compactor, slowly crushing Ramses. That's just really, really tonally quite strange, actually. But it's also Deus Ex trash compactor and unaware driver. Yeah, but not understanding of like, I'm going to hide in here. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, okay. Wait, wait, wait. Get this, get this. The police arrived too late to prevent his death, but the chief remarks to Thornton that Ramsey's died a fitting death like the garbage he was. <laughs> Do they feast on his blood afterwards? I presume not. <laughs> no, no, but this is the best part. And this is where it's like, oh, wow, this really was made by an amateur. Then... What happens for the next maybe two or three minutes, Thornton in detail explains to the chief how he solved the crime. Oh, God. Right? So they're standing there outside the thing and he's like, okay, so I, I deduced. And in Wikipedia it goes, Thornton then explains to the chief how he, he deduced the killer's identity from the last words of Janet Blake to the book found at some of the scenes of the murders. And Thornton says that Ramses must have kept a list of people who requested the book as potential victims. And, and he's basically like, so that's how I put it all together. Even though in the end he jumped in a trash compactor and died, so actually the police did nothing because he killed so many people. <laughs> oh, yeah, we were just following him around for a while. <laughs> yeah, basically. As they wonder whether others still worship Ishtar, the detectives morosely light their cigarettes and return to their headquarters to file a report. Elsewhere, the statue of Ishtar sheds tears of blood. That sucked. Oh, my God, that sucked. How much work did you get done during the watching of that show? Did you get much? <laughs> well, it was really hard because half the time it was like when a film is really slow, you go yeah. to do work, but then you miss the one thing that happens. So then you have to go back oh, and be like, oh, for God. fuck's sake, I have to rewind. You know what I mean? When like yeah. nothing happens, but then everything happens. It's just really annoying. So it was an unpleasurable experience oh, all around. But Peach, now you know how the splatter subgenre of horror began. How do you feel? Uh, I think underwhelmed is probably how <laughs> I feel. <laughs> I was trying to think through your sort of um, comment about the birth of gore, gore meets um, male gaze, um, hetero male gaze, 
And because that's something that's always interested me of like, let's have some death and also some sexualization of young women. Because those two things are not very close together in my head. And indeed, they're some distance apart. And, and so I enjoyed it as a cultural artifact to be like, yeah, okay, how did we find ourselves where we find ourselves? But basically, I found it to be a boring, irritating, mean-spirited, poorly made waste of space. Jagger. But, but, apropos mm. of what we were talking about at the start of this episode, mm. at least considering most of this film was centered around a catering company and a meal, you can say that Blood Feast truly is a kitchen the nightmare. nightmare method. <laughs> no, oh, no. shit. <laughs> I was like, oh. you it. <laughs> I thought, no, I thought we were going to do it. Yeah, next time. <laughs> Uh, this was recorded at FBI Studios. Please like, subscribe and follow wherever you can and as much as you can. And Resh's, what's up?